Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with a pattern of disobedience as we pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. So we see now there's a bit of madness beginning to enter this man. Started out such a beautiful way. Started out with such tremendous potential and possibilities. But pride entered in. And we see now the pride developing. And this man again who had such a marvelous potential is gradually deteriorating before our very eyes as he begins to exalt himself and turn from God. Now, as we get into chapter 15, Samuel came to Saul and said, The Lord sent me to anoint you to be king over his people, over Israel. Now, Hearken unto the voice of the words of the Lord. Now, he has shown a pattern of disobedience up to this point. He has become self-willed, doing his own thing. So the prophet is coming and warning him. And this to me is very significant because God does seek to warn us from our self-willed path of destruction. God doesn't just let you trip off into the path of destruction without coming and giving you fair warning and oftentimes repeated warnings. The Bible said, He that being often reproved hardeneth his neck. And so God is faithful. And God comes and he warns you, Hey, the path you're choosing The way of self-will, it's destroying you. Don't go it. Now listen to God. Pay attention. Obey the voice of the Lord. And so Samuel is coming with a warning for him and telling him of a mission that God is sending him on. Now hearken to the voice of the words of the Lord. For the Lord said, I remember this, the Amaleks, that when you were trying to come into the land, they withstood you. And therefore, God wants you to go down and utterly wipe out the Amaleks. Every man, woman, child, animal, don't take anything back alive. Utterly slay everything in order that God might be avenged against the Amaleks. Now, you think, oh, that's a horrible command of God. You would think so until historically you would study the practices and all of the Amaleks, and they were so corrupt, they were going to wipe out themselves, and God was just ordered, ordering really the eradication of a, of a cancer within the society. They were like mad dogs. If you don't destroy them, they're going to hurt innocent people. So God ordered the utter destruction of the Amaleks. Now, another factor here 
is that the Amaleks are always a type of the flesh in the Scripture. And the Amaleks being a type of the flesh, God is ordering the utter destruction of the flesh. Wipe it out completely. Don't give any place for the flesh, the Bible says, to fulfill the desires thereof. Crucify the old man, the old nature. If you, by the Spirit, do mortify the deeds of the flesh, put it to death, God says. Don't give place for it. Utterly wipe it out. Now, Saul went down with the armies, and God gave victory over the Amaleks. However, they saw some of the cattle and some of the sheep were really good stock, and so they set them aside, and he spared the king alive. But the sickly sheep, the sickly cows, they really hacked them to pieces, didn't give them a chance. That which was sickly and that which is not so good, they just utterly destroyed that, but the good, the healthy, the strong, they, they preserved them. Now, whatever this is, it is disobedience to the command of God. It is again another opportunity for Saul to redeem himself in obeying the command of the Lord, but it is disobedience, his failure to utterly wipe out the Amaleks, all of their cattle, and, and all of their sheep, and so forth. Now, as we progress in history, and, and we're going to take a, we're going to go into the time machine now, and we're going to go ahead in history a few hundred years. And a story that is familiar with many of you, all of you who have read the Bible, how that when Esther was chosen queen in Persia, there was one man in the kingdom of Persia that was seeking to destroy all the Jews because he could not stand this Jew Mordecai who refused to bow to him. He had such a hatred for this man, he perpetrated a scheme whereby all of the Jews were to be wiped out and he had the king sign a decree that on a given day all the Jews would be wiped out in all the kingdom of, of Persia. This wicked man's name was Haman. And the Feast of Purim is uh, in celebration of God's delivering them from the hand of this wicked Haman. Now, in Israel, it is like Halloween almost in that the little children dress in costumes. And, and the boys dress in the costumes of the villain Haman. Ugly mask and, and their costumes. And the little girls dress up like Esther. And all the little girls are so beautiful. And of course, they have their mask and their little wands and everything else. And it, and it is like a Halloween uh, they'll gather together and they, they have a, sort of a party, actually, and they have the, the cookies and so forth, the Haman's hat cookies and all of this, and, and it's quite a thing over there. It's actually a holiday, the Feast of Purim. But the thing I want to point out 
is the nationality of Haman. He was a descendant of the king of the Amalek's Agag. He was an Agagite, a descendant from Agag, so that Saul, failing to completely obey God, almost cost Israel its whole national existence later on. Because he failed to completely obey the command of God, it almost cost the Jews in later history their very existence. This Haman the Agagite almost wiped them out completely. Which if you do not bring your flesh to the cross, if you do not mortify the deeds of the flesh, if you seek to make allowances and tolerances and say, well, that's a pretty good part of me, you know, that isn't too bad, your flesh will come back to destroy you. We must bring the old man to the cross. We must not give place to the flesh to fulfill its desires. We must reckon the old man to be dead, and failure to do so can create real problems down the line. Your flesh will come back to haunt you and will come back to destroy your relationship with God. God wants you to bring your flesh to the cross and there reckon the flesh, the old man, to be dead. Saul failed to obey the command of God, keeping the best cattle and sheep and so forth. And so as he came back with the spoils of war, old Samuel, who is now an old man, can't see very well. He comes out to meet Saul. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul said to him, Blessed be thou of the Lord, I have performed the commandment of the Lord. Liar. But notice the spiritual language. Blessed be thou of the Lord. You know, a lot of people can use spiritual jargon, but it really doesn't mean anything. You know, they can go around saying, Oh, praise the Lord, oh, bless God, while they're picking your pocket. That's right, there's a young boy in Israel. He meets us always at the... Uh, He's an Arab boy, and he meets us always when we're coming down the path of the Mount of Olives. Oh, Christians, America, oh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, Christians, oh, from California, oh, yes, you know. Brother, brother, watch out. Your wallet or your pen or something will be gone after his embrace. Praise God, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> Fat wallet, praise the Lord. <laughs> Spiritual jargon. It doesn't prove anything. You can be a crook and use spiritual language. Often it is used as a disguise. Blessed be thou the Lord. I've done everything. I've performed all the Lord commanded me. And old Samuel was not deceived. He said, if you've done everything the Lord has commanded you, then what means the bleating of the sheep and the lowing of the cows that I hear? 
Don't give me that business. And Saul said, Oh, they've brought them from the Amalekites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. Now, again, remember, Saul has developed a pattern of making excuses when faced with his wrong rather than repenting. When he, when he offered the sacrifices in disobedience to God and Samuel called him for it, he said, oh, the people, you know, they were scattered and I forced myself. It was because of the people and all. And now again, faced, what do you mean you've done everything? If you have, how come I hear the sheep and the cattle? Oh, well, the people, you know, they, they kept the best. They brought them back to sacrifice. Religious excuses are the most damnable of all. And Samuel said unto Saul, Just wait a minute, pal. I'm going to tell you what the Lord said to me tonight. And Saul said, Say on. And Samuel said, When you were little in your own sight, you were made the head over the tribes of Israel, and the Lord anointed you to be king over Israel. And the Lord sent thee on a journey and said, Go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites. Notice the sinners the Amalekites, and fight against them until they be consumed. Why then did you not obey the voice of the Lord, but you did fly upon the spoil, and you did evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said unto Samuel, Yes, I have obeyed the voice of the Lord, and I've gone the way which the Lord sent me, and I've brought Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. He was lying. He was not repenting. But you see, when he was little in his own sight, there was a difference then. But now he's become puffed up. Pride has filled his life, and it's about to destroy him. Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obedience to the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice, and to hearken to God is better than the fat of the rams which is burned in the sacrifices. Flimsy excuse. God isn't interested in the sacrifices from a disobedient heart and life. God would much rather you obey him than offer sacrifices. Many times people are giving to God in order to cover their feelings of guilt. And giving to God is not a sign necessarily of great spirituality. People can feel very guilty. Oh, I'm going to make a sacrifice unto God because they feel so guilty for their disobedience. God would rather have your obedience than your sacrifice. To hearken to the voice of God is better than to offer the fat of rams upon the altar. Four, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. In other words, if you're rebelling against God, that's just as bad as if you were into witchcraft. If you have a stubborn spirit, you're no better off than the person who is worshiping an idol. This business of, of rebellion and stubbornness is something that God is not pleased with in our lives. Rebellion is just as bad as witchcraft. Stubbornness is just as bad as idolatry. And because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you 
from being king. The official rejection, that's it. God has rejected your kingship. And Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and thy words. But notice, it isn't a full repentance because he said, I feared the people and obeyed their voice. Oh, he didn't fear the people. Again, he's just offering a lame excuse for his disobedience. God would rather have just a straight, frank confession. God, I blew it. I was wrong. I sinned. God, I'm sorry. I repent. God wants me. There's no sign of repentance in this at all. Some people think it's cute to say, oh, I'm a sinner. That isn't repentance. It's only a declaration of a blasphemous truth. Oh, I've sinned. Doesn't make anything out of you. Forsaking the sin is what is important. Turning from the sin, the repentance is what God is seeking. Now, therefore, he said, I pray thee, pardon my sin and turn again with me that we might worship the Lord. And Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being the king over Israel. And Samuel turned to go away, and he grabbed hold of him and tore his coat. And Samuel said unto him, The Lord has torn the kingdom from you this day and has given it to a neighbor that is better than you are. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. Now the strength of Israel here being a reference to God. And notice the strength of Israel will not lie or repent. Now in Numbers we read, For God is not a man that he should repent. Hath he not spoken, shall he not make it good? But in just a few verses we're going to read where he says God repented that he made you king. How come this kind of a dichotomy? The strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. Then Saul again said, I have sinned, yet honor me now, I pray thee, before the elders of my people. In other words, you know, make me look good in front of the people. I've sinned. And before Israel, turn again with me that I may worship the Lord thy God. Notice, not the Lord my God, the Lord thy God. So Samuel turned again after Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. Then said Samuel, bring hither Agag, the king of the Amalekites. And Agag came unto him delicately. And Agag said, surely the bitterness of death is past. And Samuel said, as your sword has made women childless, so shall your mother be childless among women. And Samuel hewed Agag in pieces before the Lord in Gilgal. Then Samuel went back to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house in Gibeah. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. So, God, the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent. Then what does it mean? It repented the Lord that he made Saul king over Israel. There is always a difficulty in expressing God and the characteristics of God and the actions of God in human language. But all we have is human language. Now, 
God has characteristics, abilities, that we have no human language for, for we have no way of experiencing these things. I cannot even think how God thinks because he knows everything. How does he even think when he knows everything to begin with? Now, how can I even express the way that God thinks? How can I express the actions of God? I can only express them with human terms as they appear to be from my human standpoint. But yet I am bound with human language. Now, I am certain that there is a vocabulary of heaven that is far broader and incapable of expressing these things in languages that if we heard it, we wouldn't know it because we have nothing that will equal it in human experience. So we are seeking to describe now an action of God, and that is the action of turning away his favor from Saul. The change of God's attitude towards Saul. Now the word repent meaning change. God is changing now his attitude towards Saul. We have only one word to describe that change. Repent. We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of 1 Samuel on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 1 Samuel 15 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. Now may the Lord be with you and keep you in His love and grace. And may your understanding of God's love be increased day by day as you begin to fathom the depths, experience the heights of God's love and grace and mercies towards you. Through Jesus, our Lord. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. The Word for Today would like to invite you to come along on a revolutionary study of the Bible as we introduce Pastor Chuck's Genesis commentary in an ebook format. 
Not only will you have Pastor Chuck's in-depth commentary, this ebook allows access to enhanced research studies by honored Christian scholars instantly. Features include Hebrew and Greek word definitions, as well as images of historical maps and places just by clicking or touching your screen. An online dictionary, plus highlighting, note-taking, and bookmarking. And everywhere Pastor Chuck shares what he learned or studied something, you now have access to those very same notes. To get ready to study the Bible in a whole new way. Now you don't have to imagine what it was like to be there. This is the next best thing. To find out how to download Pastor Chuck's Genesis commentary to your electronic device, please call the Word for Today at 800-272-9673. Or to watch a video demonstration, visit us online at thewordfortoday.org.